you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 9. This should be very familiar to most of you. It's the Lord's Prayer. But there's one particular part of the, on this I want to focus on this morning. <clears throat> the title of the message is The Will of God. Verse 9 says, After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now verse 10 is really where I want to focus this morning. And you know, these are the words of Jesus. He's instructing us in the manner in which we should pray. So anytime Jesus spoke, but especially anytime Jesus bothered to give you specific instruction on something, I think it's uh, worth digging into and really understanding what it is He's trying to tell you. Um, but verse 10 says, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Let's just ask God's blessing over this word. Father, we come to you once again, and Lord, right now I ask that you just begin to move, that you would just bless this word as it goes forth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So verse 10 talks about God's will being done in earth just like it is in heaven. Now, in heaven, God's perfect will is accomplished. There's nothing there to hinder His will in any way. And I want to make a statement today. You know, I've heard, I've heard people say a lot of times that, well, if it's God's will, then it'll happen. But you know, that's not necessarily always true. Now, I want to clarify that and tell you that if, if God tells you something is going to happen, it's going to happen. But just because something is God's will does not mean that's what's going to come to pass. We can do things to hinder God's will. You know, and I want to explain this to you today so that nobody is, is, is misunderstanding what I'm saying. An example would be, uh, the Scripture says, and let me tell you the, the verse... In 2 Peter chapter 3 and 9, he says that he's not willing that anyone should perish. But I look around and I see people every day that don't come to know Jesus before they die. So that's not God's will. So that shows you right there that God's will is not always what's done here on earth. So Jesus was telling us that we should pray that God's will would be done on earth the same way that it's done in heaven. Now let's understand the difference in earth and heaven. 
Earth is a physical world. It's, it's a physical thing. We can, we can physically interact with everything. Heaven, on the other hand, is, is spiritual. And you know, the, the Bible makes a lot of distinctions between the carnal or natural world and spiritual. As we're looking at this, let's let's look at this question. What is His will? Now, <clears throat> you can apply this to a lot of different things in your life, and, and God's will, in very specific terms, may be something different for every circumstance. But I think if we were to take a step back and try to apply a general statement to it, we could say that God's will is for us to obey His law. And by doing that, by by saying that if we're obedient to God's law, His will is being accomplished. Now, what does that mean? In heaven, uh, God's will... His perfect will is accomplished. But we're talking about things in the Spirit. You know, angels do not have their own will. They are servants that God created to, to serve Him and to do His bidding. That's what they're there for. So in, in heaven there is nothing to hinder God's will. Now here on earth... Things are a little different. We we can do things however we want to. And I wish I could get rid of this ringing right now. <clears throat> but here on earth, we can do things however we want to. We can choose to obey God. We can choose to disobey God. We can do whatever we choose to do. When we put other things before God, our own desires our own agendas, whatever it may be, we prevent God's will from being accomplished. When we're obedient to God, and everything just falls into place the way it ought to, and God's will is accomplished, things change in our life. Now I know this, I seem to be kind of bouncing all over the place, but I'm trying to draw a picture for you this morning. Why did Jesus instruct us to pray that way? These are the kind of questions I ask myself. He wouldn't have instructed us to pray in a certain way if it wasn't necessary. You know... The Bible also tells us that He is coming back for those that love His appearing. People that are looking for Him. People that are waiting for Him. People that are praying to see this happen. He told us in this Lord's Prayer, as we commonly call it, that we should pray that His will would be done on earth the same way as done in heaven.
So what is it in our life that that hinders us? What is it that tends to get in the way between us and God? I think most of the time it's myself. More more so than not, it, it's not other people. It's me. It's me not obeying God. It's me not doing what He's told me to do. It's it's not other people. It's me. So, I think Jesus instructed us to pray this way because He knew it was, it was an us problem. You see... When we get to heaven, when we leave this earth, the Word tells us that, that we'll have a new body. When we pass over into that, that spiritual realm, the natural thing is not going to be a problem anymore. Us is not going to be a problem anymore. That doesn't mean that, that we're going to be over there just doing every little thing like robots the way God would have us to do what it means is that we have already made our choice. That's the problem with this world is that we have a choice. We don't have to choose God. We don't have to choose to do things His way. But when we've already made that choice, listen, you know, we talked in Sunday school this morning about about sin and, and how that sin... Sometimes it's not the thing you really want to do. But you do it anyway because it's that's part of you right now. There's this constant battle that goes on between my natural side and my spiritual side. It's almost like I'm uh, schizophrenic. Like I have two different personalities. I have the spiritual man that is fighting for existence. At the same time, I've got this carnal man that's fighting to stay alive. When we pass over into that other life, there's only going to be one left. You can spend eternity letting that carnal man die in hell, or you can spend eternity letting that spiritual man live. But they're going to be two separately, separate distinct things. There's not going to be this constant war going on anymore. Turn to Romans chapter 8. I love Romans chapter 8. There's a lot of stuff Paul says that's hard to explain, but I tell you what, he really breaks it down in Romans chapter 8. And uh, it's not all that hard to understand. We're going to start in verse 3. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Look at verse 3 there. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. Now you listen to, listen to what I'm telling you. The, the law that God gave us was perfect. But the, the weakness 
that the law had was the fact that it had to be fulfilled in the flesh. And what did we just talk about in the flesh? There's, there's always this war going on. When you're trying to, to obey everything, and you're trying to do everything just right, there's a weakness there in that flesh. The, the flesh cannot stand up to that standard that the law has set. So, that being said, Paul goes on to tell you that the ones that walk after the Spirit, you don't have to worry about that. He tells you that it's it's the flesh that's weak, it's not the Spirit. Now, when... When you are properly feeding the Spirit like you ought to, the will of God is going to become more evident in your life. Listen, I spend time trying to figure out sometimes why is it that the will of God doesn't seem to be coming to pass in my life. I spend time struggling with wondering what is the will of God for me. What God showed me in this is that when it comes to the point that I'm praying and I want God to have His will in my life, but I don't see anything happening, it's because I'm not walking after the Spirit like I should. It's because the the flesh is too strong and it's choking out the Spirit. When you get in the Spirit and you begin to feed the Spirit and you begin to walk after the Spirit, the Spirit where God's will can be fulfilled in your life becomes stronger than the flesh. The flesh is not able to stand up to the kind of standard that God has set. That's what the Scripture is telling you. And when you are in that kind of a situation where the flesh is the strongest part, there's there's going to be a lack in your life. There's going to be something missing. And there's going to be... You may still have a desire to see God's will accomplished, but you can't see it for everything else you've got in your life. Do y'all ever pray and feel like there's a disconnect? Do y'all ever pray and feel like the words don't hardly get past the end of your lips? It just might be because you're not walking after the Spirit. You go on and read Romans chapter 8 there. It tells you a lot about walking after the Spirit. It tells you about putting to death all those old things. The things that are what hinder you. Now, you want to see the will of God. You know, a lot of us pray that all the time. God, let Your will be done. Or we may even pray for somebody else and say, God, let Your will be done. And, and you know, but do we really know what that means? Do we really want to take on 
the responsibility for what has to happen for God's will to be done. You know, having uh, having God's will done in your life sometimes means sacrifice. Sometimes God's will in your life is not the comfortable thing. It's not the thing you really desire in your heart. But let me tell you, let me explain something. There, there is... There's a difference in wanting to see God's will done and then actually willing to do what it takes to see God's will done. I think uh, from reading this Scripture, I think if you're really going to see God's will accomplished, you've got to spend time in prayer. Now, listen, this is easy to say. It's easy for me to tell you you've got to spend time in prayer. It's easy to tell you to walk after the Spirit, but that is a hard thing to do. When we spend all week dealing with people that are not spiritual, and you spend all week dealing with non-spiritual problems and circumstances... It's hard to walk after the Spirit every day. It's not the natural thing to do. It's not, you know, there's kind of a certain flow to your life. And you can kind of just kick back and set the cruise control and just let things happen. And it'll just kind of roll on. You don't have to do anything for that. But that's not walking after the Spirit. Walking after the Spirit takes effort. Walking after the Spirit takes a a very specific direction. You know, Jesus told us about these two different ways that we can go. He said that broad and straight is the way that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Now why did He use that that example? If you try to drive a truck through a gate 30 feet wide, it ain't very hard, is it? But you try to drive it through one that's about 6 inches wider than your truck. And it takes a little bit of focus. You, you can't just hit that gate at any angle. You've got to hit it straight. Now when He said straight is the way, that, that straight does not mean... Straight like it's not crooked. It means it's easy to get into it. So, that ought to tell you something about walking after the Spirit. It takes some dedication. It takes some... You know, you have to be very deliberate about doing that. It's not an accident. You know, I was out there the other day watching... My son and his team played t-ball. And I had had a conversation the day or two before with somebody about, about uh, practicing and teaching these kids how to play. And, and he, had, he told me that this team he used to coach just got to the point where they were just beating the socks off of everybody they played. And the other coaches kind of got upset because they got beat every time they'd play them. He said, look, that didn't just happen. They, these kids worked hard. To get that good. 
It's the same way with your Christian life. It don't just happen. You, you want to be victorious in your Christian life. You want to see God's will really accomplished. You want to see things change and happen in the direction that God would have you to go. That don't just happen. The blessings from God don't just happen because you're who you are. You don't just wake up the next morning after uh, receiving Jesus as your Savior and everything just is all hunky-dory. That ain't the way it works. It's just like anything else in this life. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes continual struggle. You know, I can... uh, I can buy a new car and drive it and drive it and drive it. But if I don't ever change the oil and change the tires, that thing is in a steady state of decay. In your Christian life, you may start out strong, but if you don't do something to maintain that thing, you don't do something to build up that spiritual man and feed him and encourage it, and, and and nurture it, it's just going to de- steadily decay. That little bit of something you got when you got saved is not enough to carry you on through the rest of your life. I promise you. It may not even make it through the rest of today. Because there's going to be situations that you encounter and even though you have prayed and said, I want your will to be done in my life, God, Saying something and actually seeing it to fruition in your life is two totally different things. You can sit here all day and say, I want a new car. But if you don't get up and do some work and make some money and and have some means by with not only to buy the car but to pay for gas, what good did it do you to sit there and say, that's what I want? I can say all day I want God's will in my life, but if I don't make some changes in my own life to see that come to pass, it ain't ever going to happen. God's will may be the best thing for you, but just because it's good, just because it's the right thing, doesn't mean that's what you're going to allow to happen in your life. I'll tell you all right now, I am my biggest enemy. I can't blame people I work with. I can't blame people I'm around that are sinful. When when God's will does not happen in my life, things don't come to pass the way they ought to, it's my fault. It's not nobody else's. I can't even blame Satan. Did you hear what I said? You know, a lot of people try to give Satan way more credit than he is due. When the biggest problem in most of our lives is ourself. I am my biggest enemy. I am the one that's going to prevent me from missing a blessing that I have. I'm the one that's going to prevent me from being in God's will. It's not my wife. It's not some guy down the road. It's not the people that I'm angry at for whatever they've done to me. It's me. It's time that we stand up sometimes and take 
a little more responsibility for our own actions. 